Good morning. God bless you for being here. It's been a pleasure to be here. Been an inspiring service so far. We talked about each of us having a path to walk. And I told you because God tells you you can do it. We talked about the importance of or the impossibility of following Jesus without making the decision to die, to give our life away. We talked about two wrongs making two wrongs. And our ability to choose always in every situation to return righteousness in response to evil. It is possible to live victorious Christian lives in a wicked world. God doesn't ask us the impossible. Now it does get complex. It gets complicated. It's puzzling. We don't understand what's happening. But there is a way by faith. There is a way to live an exemplary and a compelling Christian life in this wicked world. There's a war going on. We heard about it in Sunday school. It's a spiritual war. Satan started it. And he lost. But it still continues. And I'm especially drawn to the preparation of the gospel of peace where we know where we stand and we stand on it in the midst of the complexities in the midst of the confusion in the midst of people forgetting which kingdom to fight for in the midst of people forgetting that it's a spiritual war and they start fighting people. Whether it's nations or churches or brothers and sisters. We are fighting against evil spirits. And we need a firm foundation for that. The title of the message this morning is God Loves Me. I thought about saying, God loves you, just like I said, you can do it. But I'm going to say, God loves me, because I want you to repeat this title with me. With the mouth, 
Confession is made unto salvation. This is where we stand. And we need to confess the basic truths and stand on it. And I could apologize for this being so elementary, but I won't. Because it is because we miss the foundation. A lot of our complexities, a lot of our questions, a lot of our misunderstandings, a lot of our insecurities come from missing this. Internalizing and believing the fact that God loves me. Repeat that with me. God loves me. You're one in 200 here this morning. And he loves you. What's your name? Sandra. God loves Sandra. Young lady in the wheelchair back here, what's your name? Hannah. God loves Hannah. God loves Micah. And there's several Micahs here this morning. Uh, but he, he knows which is which. And he loves you. God loves me. Say it again with conviction. God loves me. Here we go. God loves me. And now say, he loves me. He loves me. Do you believe it? Do you believe that? Really? Really? Does he always love you? Is his love infinite? Is his love sovereign? Father love is reigning o'er us, we sang. Really? Father love is reigning o'er us. Brother love binds man to man. Do you believe that? Sometimes we do. Kind of. We all struggle with insecurities. Yeah, every one of us struggle with feeling insecure. And that's to be expected in the midst of a wicked world. I'm not sovereign. You're not sovereign. You can't make everything come out right for you. Why wouldn't we feel insecure? But if we can choose to believe, regardless what we feel, any time, any situation, if we can choose to believe that God loves us perfectly, that's a foundation for security. And along with that, let me repeat the thing of dying to self. That's the next step. If I believe with all my heart that God loves me perfectly, 
And I embrace that lordship instead of my lordship. That will bring security. It's when we still try to control things that we feel insecure. Once we let go of our life, let go of the controls, we don't have anything to feel insecure about because it's given away. It died. It's gone. And we can rest in the lordship of the one who is perfect love. That's the foundation for security. God loves me. Do I believe it? Now this verse from 1 John says, We love him because he first loved us. There's the foundation. We can experience love. We can love him with all our hearts. We can love our fellow man, the greatest commandments. And the reason we can is because he first loved us. And I maintain that if you have difficulty loving your fellow man, it's because you're not very grounded and firm on the fact that God loves you. As you are settled in the fact that God loves you, as you accept that and you internalize it, you believe it, that enables you to love your fellow man. To be Christian is to love God with all your heart and to love people. And to, to be able to love God with all your heart and to love people, you have to know what love is. You have to experience it. You need to receive it for yourself. You need to believe it for yourself. And you need to live your daily life on that foundation. Otherwise, you'll be fearful, you'll be self-protective, you'll be selfish. You'll feel insecure. Furthermore, one of the first ways to love someone is to receive their love. My wife loves me, and one of the most loving things she can do is to receive my love in the way I love her. I don't feel very loved if she doesn't trust my love. The same is true with God. Trust his love. That's the first way you can love God with all your heart. Trust his love with all your heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. You've got to believe it or it won't benefit you. There is a reason you were created. There is a reason God created you unique. He chose to not make anybody ever in the past or ever again just like you. There is a reason there's a reason why he placed you in the world where he has, in the time of history where he has placed you. There's a reason why he gave you the parents he gave you. There's a reason why he cursed the earth when we sinned. There's a reason why he 
Christ came down and suffered and learned obedience and took our sin on himself and bought us back to the Father. There's a reason why God prepared hell for the wicked. There's a reason why he prepared heaven for those who choose him. There's a reason why he takes you through the things he takes you through. There is a reason for everything God does and allows. And that reason is he loves you. Do you believe it? Let's sing Jesus Loves Me. Jesus loves Turn in your Bibles to 1 John 4. We'll read verses 7 through 19. 1 John 4, 7. First John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, verse 10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in him and he in God. Verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now I would love, I would like, to do a weekend of just talking about love. God's love. It is so... We couldn't, we couldn't get done talking about it. But just for this morning, just for one point, God loves you. He loves you. Verse 9 and 10 says how he proves it. Now, several times in this scripture it says, God is love. And so how can somebody who is love not love you? That's just who he is. Loving is about the person who is doing the loving. We hear this some, I just have a hard time loving this person. That's a bunch of baloney. It has nothing to do with the recipient. If you love, then that goes for whoever is to be loved. God never says, I just have a hard time loving this person. No, we have a hard time liking them. And, and, and I found a freedom in just admitting to myself, I don't like that person. I don't tell them, but, but I, I say, I choose to love them. Let's just change your word. Just change it from love to like. I have a hard time liking that person. Well, why are you telling me? Why are you telling anybody you have a hard time liking someone? All that'll do is make it hard for them to like them. Don't do that. Just tell yourself and God. God, I, I don't like that person. They're so annoying. Every time I have a good idea, they think they have another one that's better, that's different. But God isn't like that. He likes you. And he created... Oh, we're so different. We're so different. And he did it on purpose. What was he thinking? But he likes that different. That's no problem for him. No problem. He likes that. And so God doesn't have even a hard time liking you. But he for sure loves you. He doesn't like how you act sometimes. How I act sometimes. But he loves you. He loves me. God loves you. God loves me. It's no problem. Because he is love. And if you are a follower of Jesus... You will make that decision too. I will unconditionally accept and unconditionally love everybody. No matter what they do to me. No matter how they act. No matter how they embarrass me. 
no matter what they require of me, no matter how much they try to control me, I will accept them and love them. God's love is the most powerful force in existence, and he is love. So God loves. He loves you. He loves me. Where was I going? Verse 9 and 10. In this, God is love. And then verse 9 and 10 is how he proved it to us. In this, the love of God was manifested or shown to us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. God sent Jesus to prove and to show that he loves us. And we were dying and and. And he sent his love into this son into the world that we can live. So love is life-giving. That's how he proves his love, through Jesus Christ. And then verse 10. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And again he says that this is what love is. He sent his son into the world to be the propitiation for our sins. So, you can stop questioning God's love. You can stop it. You can choose to believe that God loves you. You can make that decision. Because he sent Jesus to pay for the penalty of your sin and mine. That's enough. That's enough to go on. That's the preparation of the gospel of peace. And you can stand on it. And you can take whatever comes. whether it's the Russians or the Romans or the, or the Amish or the Mennonites, you can take it. Whether it's your parents or your children, you can take it. Because God loves you. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Come back to that when you're confused. Come back to that. When you're bewildered. God is love. Now his, his attributes, if one attribute of God is true about him, then all the others are true too. He's one. The Lord our God is one. So God is love. And we know, now I'm sorry, some of, you, some of you don't even like this word love. Because all of us have seen it misused. I, talk about, I talked about one misuse already, where we say, I have a hard time loving someone. And that's a misuse. We should have used the word like. We get like and love confused. Okay, That's a misuse of the word. And there's many misuses of the word. Satan is busy. And, and so, uh, you know, abusive parents say they do something because they love. You know better. You know it's not out of love. Or so many different abuses of the word love. I'm sorry about that. But there is a right use of the word love. That is God's love. His, his infinite love. He doesn't have that, that predetermined set uh, boiling point that I talked about earlier. That once evils against him come so high then he becomes evil. I talked about that last night. No, we do that 
but he doesn't. He will always respond with love because he is love. So if, he, if he's love, if he's love, perfect love, then he is perfect. If he is perfect, then he is, there's no need to change. So he's unchanging. And if he's unchanging, then he is eternal. And if he's eternal and no need to change, he is perfect. And you can just go round and round. So perfect. And so all of these, if he's perfect, he has no impure motives. And if he has no impure motives for anything he does or allows, it's pretty hard to believe. But if he is that way, then you can call him holy. He is holy. Some people say, well, what's the most basic thing of God? Is it love or is it holiness? They're one and the same. Perfect holiness is perfect love. Perfect love is perfect holiness. Because love does what's right. Love does what's best. Holiness does the same. God is holy. God is love. They're one and the same. You can't have one without the other. Well, he's just too. Well, perfect love and perfect holiness is perfect justice too. If, God is, if God's love is perfect, then he will always do what's best for me. And if he can always do what's best for me, that means he's sovereign. He's big enough to carry out what's best for me. My parents loved me imperfectly, but they loved me. But they couldn't protect me from everything. But God can. And so he'll protect me from what he wants to protect me from. And he'll allow happen to me what he is okay with happening to me because his perfect love and his perfect, well, if he knows what's best for me, he's got all knowledge too. So he's, he's sovereign, he's got all knowledge, he's all-knowing, and he's all-powerful. He has the ability to carry out what perfect love needs to carry out. He loves perfectly. There is not one thing that can happen to you today that is outside of God's perspective. Every minute detail of your life, the first person that talks to you after this church service is dismissed, that was, that's not an accident. The person who's sitting right beside you right now, that's not an accident. Every minute detail he is sovereign of and he is in control of. Yes, he allows us to make choices, but he knows what choices we'll make. And he knows how, what to do about it. It just blows my mind. He, he knows what he's doing. And he loves you. Now, you can respond wrongly and mess things up, but it doesn't mess him up. He knows what he's going to do next. Well, if he doesn't learn with this, we'll just let him go on and let it get a little bit harder and a little bit worse. Didn't learn at home, let him to go to voluntary service. See if he learns it there. And oh, I just wring my hands when I see people not learning what they should learn in voluntary service because I know they'll go home and they'll be hit with something a little bit harder and a little bit worse. 
until we get it. Until we get it. He loves us that much. God loves us. He really does. The question is, do I believe it? Do I trust it? Do I trust his love? Do I trust his love for salvation? For being born again and being his child and being brought into his family? And do I trust, the question is, do I trust his love for daily life? I mentioned this earlier. Some of us have more difficult time trusting him for salvation. Oh, we're just not sure. But I think all of us have a hard time trusting him for daily life. But his love, who's strong enough to forgive all our sins and adopt us into his family, is strong enough for daily life. And the dumb stuff we face every day, every morning at work, every Monday, every whatever, the things we face at home, the things we face at church, in the youth group, in our family, in our marriages. He knows. It's not a problem. He loves you. And that's there for a purpose. Even other people's wrong choices. It's never God's will that people sin. But it is his will that you are around when they're sinning. And it's for your good because he loves you. If it wouldn't be his will, he'd find ways to have you somewhere else. But he's put us here for a purpose. And you can do it. You can live out that purpose. But you need to believe his love. Do not doubt his love for daily life. I have a list here of times when we tend to doubt his love. We don't really believe God's love. Often we tend to not believe God's love when life doesn't go smoothly. When life goes smoothly, oh, God must love me. But when life gets rough, we tend to doubt his love. And you know what? It's, I shouldn't say it's exactly the opposite, because when life goes smoothly, that's his love too, because everything is his love. Everything he does and allows is. So when life goes smoothly, it's his love. But when life gets rough, that is for sure his love. I've, I've got this scripture up, Hebrews 12. We read that Friday evening, but let's just read it again. Hebrews 12, 5, and you have forgotten when things get rough and we start doubting God's love, we have forgotten something. You have forgotten the exhortation which he speaks to you as to sons. Beloved sons, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Now, I've started saying this, some of you who know me, I've started saying this when somebody comes to me and starts complaining or whining or not sure what to do, they're sincere, but they're not sure what to do. I start, I've started saying, God must really love you. 
Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. It's, I'm kind of annoying, I think, to people when I say that. But this is how it is. I'm sorry. I guess you just got to love me. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons and daughters. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For our human fathers, indeed, for a few days, chastened us as seemed best to them. They didn't even know everything. But he always does it for our profit. Always, every time. He for our profit. For what's best for us that we may be partakers of his holiness. He's making you holy. It's not about him making you comfortable. It's about him making you holy. That is awesome. A wretch like me becoming holy. That's what it's all about. When Jesus came the first time, they were so earthly focused, and they missed that it was about a spiritual kingdom. I think it's going to be similar the second time he comes around. People are so earthly focused, but it's about, it's about spiritually becoming holy. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. King James says, exercised thereby. New King James says, trained by it. That's the catch. So he has all this stuff that he allows to happen to us. And it's for your good. It's for my good. But it doesn't turn out for my good if I don't, uh, if I don't exercise myself by it. If I don't allow it to train me. So it's your choice. God loves you. And he's going to allow difficulties to come into your life. And it's your choice. If you're going to say, hmm. I just don't know if God loves me. Why would he do that? That's dumb. Or if you're going to say, oh, I, I know he loves me. I don't understand how this is love. But I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to allow it to train me. Don't doubt his love when things don't go smoothly. We doubt. We don't really believe God's love when we doubt that we have enough of the right information. Have you ever experienced this? We don't say it out loud, but in the back of our minds we're thinking, if I were God, I would, I would uh, tell me a little bit more of what to expect. Tell me a little bit more of, of what's going through my child's mind. Tell me a little bit more of why my parents act the way they do. Tell me a little bit more of what, to, what I'm supposed to be doing next year if I were God. And when we feel like we don't have enough information to live our lives well, 
then we often doubt his love. But let me tell you, a loving father doesn't tell his three-year-old everything he knows. That's a poor illustration of God for humanity, but you still get the point. A loving father tells his child, his young child, what he needs to know when he needs to know it. God knows what we need to know when we need to know it. Let's not doubt it. Let's not doubt it. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. You're his children. And you cannot, you could not handle everything he knows, even about your own life, let alone about your parents or children. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. If you believe his name, if you believe his love, you are his child. And as his child, he is the perfect, heavenly, loving father. And I know we're all over the map. Some of us have had loving fathers. Some of us have not had loving fathers. And so some of us can understand this better than others. But all of us have difficulty comprehending him as a loving father. But he is. And you're his child and you can trust him. You don't have to understand. Find freedom in that. We don't really love God when we fear people, when we feel insecure, and when we are self-protective. We don't believe his love. We don't believe his provision. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His love has given it. It has been freely given. But we need to believe it. The provisions are all there. Believe it. Don't understand it. We can't see it. But we choose to believe it. We don't really believe God when we run from our pain, when we run from correction, when we run from seeing our sin. Let's choose to believe God's love when we're in pain. Physical pain, emotional pain. Choose to believe God's love. Let's not run from it. Let's just run to him. When we are corrected, whether by people or by God, receive it as God's love. When there's a possibility that you were wrong or you made a wrong choice or you have been sinning in any area or wrong thinking patterns, if there's any possibility, go towards it. Find out. Because God's love forgives. And he can't forgive you for that stuff that, if it's not wrong. You can't forgive somebody for doing right. And so if you're doing wrong and don't want to admit it, there's no forgiveness in there. 
But if you believe his love, you'll be happy to confess it. You'll stand up in the middle of church, all your church people, and you will confess your sins because you believe God's love. I think it's terrible that we don't have more free confession in church. And I think it's because we don't understand God's love. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And it works the same way with God's people. They forgive. And what if there's one or two in church that will mark us forevermore? God has his ways of dealing with them. But you can be free. Don't run from seeing your sin. Because God loves you. And it is his love that is his love that forgives. We really don't believe God's love when we pretend and when we aren't transparent with others. I just talked about that. Being willing to confess our faults to one another. Stop pretending. God knows where you are anyway, better than you do. We don't really believe God's love when we aren't okay with God asking things of us. When we aren't okay with God asking things of us. Are you okay with God asking anything of you? Anything. Why would he ask anything of you that isn't for your good if he is love? Well, I'm afraid he'll ask me to marry the wrong person or stay single all my life. Or I'm afraid he'll ask me to go through life as a, most of my life as a widow or widower. Or I'm afraid... Well, what if he does? If he is love, that's the best thing for me. It really is. We aren't okay with God asking things of us, especially when we look around and it appears like he isn't asking this kind of thing of others. God just has it in for me. It's harder. My life is harder than those people, other people around me. And we doubt his love. This is very related. We don't really believe God's love when we are not okay with the path he has us on. When we are not willing to embrace his plan for us, the people that he's put us with, the circumstances he's put us with, and the limitations he has given us. We all have limitations. We have mental limitations. We have physical limitations. We have monetary limitations. We have time limitations. And I often, that, that's one that I struggle with most. God, if you'd love me, surely you'd give me 30 hours in a day. Because all the things that you've laid in, on my heart to do, I want to do this and I want to do that. And, and 
I have interest in this, and God, uh, you've called me to do that too. If he'd at least give me 30 or 40 hours in the day, but he's given me time limitation. And I need to believe God's love. And then he's designed that I spend a third of my life sleeping. What was he thinking? I wish he'd have made me like the giraffe. It spends only three hours a day sleeping. Do you know how much more I could get done and how much more I could enjoy and do for God if I could only have to sleep three hours a day? But here I have to sleep a third of my life. What was he thinking? Does he even love me? And other interruptions that come up. Time limitations. And I doubt his love. He values rest. He knows what's best for me. He does. He loves me. He loves you. This morning I'm asking you to make the decision. Make the decision firmly. And remember you have volition. You have volition. Everyone in here. Choose to believe God's love. Regardless what things feel like to you. Go against your feelings. And make the decision. I choose to believe that God loves me. I don't understand. I don't know. But I'm going to stop fearing people. I'm going to stop pretending. I'm going to stop working too much. I'm going to stop sleeping. There's so many things we do because we don't believe God's love. I think we work too much because we don't believe his love. Sometimes some people sleep too much because they don't believe God's love. Some people worry because they don't. Some people are always talking because they don't believe. Some people are th or think the wrong things. And often we intoxicate ourselves with something. Because we're restless or have emotional pain or something. And we intoxicate ourselves with something. It can be anything. And we can't think straight. We sin because we believe God is holding out some blessing on us. So we take life into our own hands and we sin. We refuse to to accept forgiveness for confessed sin, or we refuse to confess sin because we don't believe God's love for us. And I just want to beg of you to stop, stop working hand-in-hand hand with Satan and his goals. Satan comes just like he did to Eve, hath God said. Satan comes to us Subtly, through circumstances. And he says, you know, God doesn't really love you. I've lived long enough that I hate Satan. I see the terrible things he does. And you li you've lived long enough that you can hate him too. You see the terrible things, the the hurting people, the brokenness, 
the division, the sadness. Maybe you live your life in a bubble. If you do, get out. But most of you have seen how terrible the works of Satan are and hate it. And if you refuse to believe God's love for your circumstances, you're playing right along with his hands. You're just helping Satan reach his goals. I beg of you, make the decision this morning. I'm going to choose to believe that God loves me, regardless how ridiculous it seems, regardless how much goes against my flesh or my understanding or my feelings. God loves me. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's Satan's goals. But Jesus said, this is Jesus' goals, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Let's accept God's love and and work with God and receive what he has for us, abundant life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our Father, perfect, loving, sovereign, all-powerful Father. Your love is infinite. There are no limits. This morning we choose to believe your love. And we will remind ourselves, God loves me. He loves me. Thank you. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.